So hey, it's a new year, it's a new decade, it's a new step for many of us in here. Some of us in here have been thinking about these things called New Year's resolutions. Some of us in here have been thinking uh, about setting goals or setting some type of goal or just maybe you're not even like quantifying it, you're not making it a goal, you're not making a resolution, but you've at least kind of thought about like, man, this year, this is what this year is going to be like. This is what I want to do. These are kind of some of the things I can expect. And, uh, you know, I've been kind of talking to people um, a lot this year, and I've been asking them, hey, like, do you do New Year's resolutions? Do you have a New Year's resolution? Do you have one this year? And some of my favorite ones uh, I've heard so far this year are, first, uh, one person said, hey, my goal is I want to go to Moe's and get Moe's queso at least once a week. All right? That's 52 orders of queso. So we need to pray for that person's bowels, um, because that is, that is a lot. That's a little excessive. Uh, one person said, hey, my goal this year is, like, I'm just trying to, like, eat healthier. Like, I just want to eat healthier. That's a pretty common one. And I said, well, like, what do you mean you want to, like, eat healthier? Like, how are you going to quantify that? How are you going to know if you're actually eating healthier? And they said, yeah, just, like, if I could just add, like, one to two carrots a week, like, I'm good. You know, like, that's my goal. Like, if I can eat one or two more carrots a week, I'm eating healthy. I'm winning, you know? I'm jazzy, baby. And uh, <laughs> one person said, and this is ridiculous, uh, some person said, I'm going to try to go to Chili's 20 times this year. My goal is Chili's 20 times. So, yep. You guys that are cheering, we'll pray for you guys after, you know. Uh, if you want to go to the Target frozen food section, I don't know why you just don't go straight to it. Why do you got to go to Chili's to get that? So, yikes. Yikes. Losing all my repertoire with the crowd now. Uh, but my personal favorite this year, my favorite resolution I've heard so far is someone said, hey, uh, you know, I just want to be nicer this year. And I was like, you know, to say, like, your goal is to be nicer kind of implies, like, in 2019, you were a real jerk, you know? <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's hilarious. But uh, hearing all these goals and hearing, you know, the resolutions and what um, people kind of want to do, it actually kind of got me thinking uh, about this. And I actually have a picture um, for you guys. is right here. Not this one. There we go. So this, this swimming pool. And what you might be thinking is, what does that have to do with resolutions? Because, hey... I want you guys to all try to think back to whenever you were a kid and you were at the pool and you saw your friend and you guys made eye contact and then you looked to the under end of the pool and then you looked at your friend and you said, let's race. Let's race to the other end of the pool. And you would look at each other and you guys would step up to the edge of the pool and your skin is cold from swimming and stuff like that and you can feel the heat of the sun on your face your heart rate starts to pick up a little bit. You're starting to get a little bit of anticipation. You look down in the water. You're visualizing yourself going to the other side. You're thinking about how you're going to swim. And I think that that's where many of us are at tonight when we're looking at 2020, when we're looking at our goal, when we're looking at these preferred futures that we want to build for ourselves, these steps that we want to take this year. And we, it's like we're standing on the edge of that pool and we've just got our toes just over the edge into this new decade. We're just 14 days in to a brand new decade, and we're thinking about all the things that could happen this year. We're thinking about all the things that could happen over the next five years, over the next 10 years. And we're just barely over it, and we're just leaning in, and we're anticipating, man, I'm about to dive in. I'm about to go for some of this. And some of you guys in this room, you're wondering, man, 2020, I'm really excited about it. 
Like, is this going to be the year that I finally get that promotion? Is this going to be the year that I finally put that packet in? Is this going to be the year that my boss finally starts to recognize all the hard work that I've been putting in? Is this going to be the year that I buy a house or that I buy a car? Is this, is, you know, this year is the year I'm going to graduate college. Like, what's going to happen after that? Is this, this year is going to be the year that I'm going to start grad school? Man, is this going to be the year that I finally meet the person that I'm going to marry? Or is it going to take 10 more years? And for some of you guys in this room, I don't want to pretend like moving into 2020 is not going to be hard for you because there are some things that have happened. There are some things from 2019 that you are carrying with you from the previous years. There's some pain, there's some anxiousness, there's some burdens. Not all of us are just so excited to dive into this pool and start swimming to the other side. I think some of us in this room were wondering like, man, is this going to be the year that my parents or my grandparents, they finally pass? Is that going to happen this year? Some of you are thinking, man, like, I've been sick for so long. I've been sick for years. Like, am I finally going to get better this year? Like, how, how much further do I have to go? Is that what 2020 is going to hold for me? I think some of us in here, we're, we're wondering, we're at this really precarious point in our life where we're like, man, this year just, there's some choices, there's some decisions that I have to make that are going to affect the rest of my life. And I don't know what to do. And I don't know what to choose. I just know I don't want to choose wrongly. And I really believe that there are some of you in here that came into this room tonight and you're wondering, man, is life worth living all the way through? Is it even worth finishing this year? Because I'm not sure it is. And I'm here to tell you that it 100% is worth finishing. It is 100% worth living this decade. It is 100% worth to keep going. And as I said, as we're standing here and we have our, our toes on the line of a new year, of a new decade, of 2020, and we're looking at where we could run. I can't help but think that what Jesus is crying out to us tonight, that what he wants us to understand before we take off, before we dive into the pool, what he's asking us is, hey, what if you ran your whole race? You got to the end, and it didn't matter. You ran a race that didn't count. You ran a race... That, that didn't matter. You dove into the pool and you swam as hard as you could and water is flying everywhere and your, your muscles are screaming, your heart is pounding and you come up out of the water to look and you realize you swam to the wrong side of the pool. You swam to the wrong part of the pool. What if that was our life? We lived our whole life. We ran our whole life. We ran this whole year only to realize, man, I ran to the wrong place. I set a bad goal. I strive for something that really didn't matter. I had a lot of sleepless nights. I had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of strife for something that didn't matter. And I believe that tonight Christ has something that could change our lives. That if we set our eyes on Jesus, that Jesus came here to set people free, to set us free, and not just to set us free, but he wants us more to do more than that, but to walk in freedom. Freedom so that we could run the race that God has for us. 
a race that's going to matter, a destination that's going to matter. So before we go any further, I just want to stop and I just want to pray before we open God's word. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for everything that you're doing, God, everything that you've done. And Lord, I just pray for anyone in this room, God, who is looking forward to what you might do in this year. God, who's excited about the prospects of the future, who's excited about what they could see you do, God, that's excited for all the things that you have in store for us. Lord, I pray that we will keep our eyes on you, Lord. I pray for anyone in this room that's anxious, God, that's nervous, God, that's apprehensive about stepping into a new year, that's apprehensive about pursuing you further. God, I pray that we would trust that you are the same yesterday and today and forever, that you're the founder and perfecter. God, you're the initiator, you're the champion of our faith. You're not a God that stays on the sideline. You're not a God that just watches us suffer. But God, you are there with us in the fire. You are walking through it with us in the darkness, God, that you are there always. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me tonight, God, that I would step out of the way that you would step in. Lord, I pray that you would bless the teaching of your word, God. I pray that every person in this room right now would give you permission to change the trajectory of their life. God, we love you. We praise you. That's the power of Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want you guys to flip or tap your way over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We're only going to be going through two verses tonight. Verses 1 and verses 2, chapter 12. Some of you guys are like, praise the Lord, only two verses to start out the year. Um, so hey, I want to give you guys a little bit of a background before we, before we dive straight in. If you don't have your copy of God's Word, you're welcome to follow along on the stream with us. If you have a smartphone, you can always just Google Hebrews chapter 12 um, if you want to follow along in your hand. Um, but some background before we read this passage. The first word of this passage we're going to read tonight is therefore. Now that's a little bit of a weird place to skip up, but remember we're starting in the 12th chapter of the book. So the author of Hebrews has just said a ton of stuff before us, and now he's saying, hey, because I said all this stuff in the first 11 chapters, therefore, because of that, this is what you should do. So I want to try to briefly summarize that therefore, because what he did was he's like, hey, I'm going all the way through the history of Israel so I can show you guys, hey, God was faithful to us here, he was faithful to us here, he was faithful to us here, he was faithful to us here, and here, and here, and here. He was faithful to Abraham, he was faithful to Moses, he was faithful to the prophets, to all of the kings. Whenever we were in exile, whenever we were in Jerusalem, when we built the temple the first time, when we rebuilt it the second time, he was faithful. All those thousands of years, God never left us. But listen, what was even greater than all the miracles that God did in the Old Testament was what Jesus did when he was here on earth. Jesus was the king that we needed. He was the last priest. He was the last prophet. So the author of Hebrews just made this huge point to us to say, hey, look at how God's been faithful to you in the past. And when you realize that and when you put that in perspective, Man, what's ahead of you does not seem so scary. It doesn't seem so insurmountable. you got to remember what God has done in the past, and I want us to start there tonight. Before we even read anything, I want us to look at how God has been faithful to us in the past, just in 2019, just so you guys can see what God has done in our ministry over 2019. So, We're going to put some metrics up on the screen for you guys. You guys are welcome to clap and cheer after every single one if it excites you. I hope it excites you as much as it does me. So first one, in 2019, across all group types, LYA hosted 14 
groups. There were 14 small groups available. Yeah. Now, to some of you guys in here are like, wow, 14. Like, in 2018, we had one group. So we went from one group to 14 groups in two years. All right, second one. On average, 74 of you guys were involved in finding community through community groups, and that is definitely worth celebrating. In 2019, LYA, you guys donated 2,000 diapers, 2,000 diapers that went to babies and families in need all across Hampton Roads. Our gathering here on Tuesday night in 2019, we averaged 100 people, and we had a high of 142. That is a record, the biggest Tuesday night that we've ever had by far, and that was incredible. And this one in here, this one might surprise some of you guys a little bit. I know it surprised me uh, just a tad. It shouldn't have, but it did. But in 2019, 79 young adults were baptized here at the Hampton campus between Sunday and Tuesday. That's right. So as we, guys, we look at those things and we study this passage, there are some things, just bear in mind, there are just countless numbers of steps that people took in their faith as a result of what you guys do, as a result of what we do here on Tuesday night. And there's just ways that we can't quantify it, and we, honestly, we don't need to quantify it, but there are just things that God has done for us that we're just never going to be able to see this side of eternity. And there are conversations that you guys have that I'll never know about. And there's ministry that you guys have that I'll never know about. But the one thing that matters is God sees everything that you do, both in public and in private. And he's there, and he sees that, and he blesses that. And that is doing so much. So let's remember in 2020, as we look back at the journey that we've had here on Tuesday night, at the journey you guys have been in in your groups, the journey that we've been in as a church, as a part of Liberty Like, we have come too far to give up. We've come too far to slow down. We've come too far to get complacent. We've been through too much. We've walked through too much. Christ has given us too much. Christ has done so much. We cannot stop now. We have to keep going. We have to keep moving. We have to continue to run this race together, together. So that being said, now let's approach Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, coming on the screen. It says this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, guys, this means two things, all right? Essentially, it's what he's trying to get across. First, he's saying, look, look at everything that God has done. Put that in perspective. Look at the shoulders of those who you stand on, who came before you, those who sacrificed before you so that you could enjoy this, so that you could continue to run this race. Those who have came before us, who passed that baton into our hands. He's saying, look, you can see tangible evidence all around you of God's faithfulness. If you just stop and look, that's what he's saying. Look, since we are surrounded by such a cloud, a huge cloud of witnesses, look, you can see this evidence. You can see God's fingerprints all over it. If you just look, 
And second, it means look around you now. Look at the people who are around you now. You have the chance to link arms with people who are beside you and walk through life together. Does anyone in here believe, man, life gets hard sometimes, doesn't it? It gets heavy. Sometimes you feel like you're walking through the fire every day. Sometimes you feel like you're walking in complete darkness. Look, and this is what he's saying. He's saying you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people who believe in the same God as you, claim the same Jesus as you. You have the chance to link arms with them. This is why you hear me and Pastor Grant and all the other pastors here talk about groups so much. Because honestly, if you're not in a group somewhere, at some church somewhere, like we're so concerned for you because you're not being prayed for daily. You don't have that immediate access, that immediate ring of people that you can go to who are going to counsel you biblically, who are going to encourage you in God's word. So we don't make a big deal out of stuff like group link. We don't make a big deal out of stuff like number of small groups and how many people are involved in small groups and stuff like that so that we can wave some flag and say, look at this big number we created. It's not about that. We know there are so many of you guys. There's only one David. There's easily over 100 of you in this room right now. You guys need each other. And more than you need me or more than you need a pastor, you need each other and you need to get into these these groups, you need to link arms with those people around you. You have too much of an opportunity to see God's tangible faithfulness at work in those rooms, in those meetings at Starbucks, in those running groups, in those workout groups, in those whatever groups. You have too much of an opportunity to let it go to waste. And the verse goes on, it says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that's so easily trips us up. Some of you guys' translations in here might say something like lay aside or lay down or put down. Here's the, here's the idea is he's trying to draw a metaphor for you. And he's trying to say, look, he's echoing the teaching of the prophets, of John the Baptist, of Jesus, of the disciples. Whenever they would show up, they had one message and it was very simple. Repent and believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe. And that is what he's trying to say. He's saying, look, sin is like a great weight that holds you down. It is like an intense pressure, an intense force that is holding you down, that's holding you in place. It's preventing you from progressing forward. It's preventing you from doing all that God has for you. And the only way for us to combat sin, the only way to free ourselves from this weight is the message that John preached, that Christ preached, that the disciples preached, and that I'm preaching to you right now 2,000 years later, is repent and believe that Jesus died for your sins. That's how you get free from this this weight, this pressure, this oppression that you feel every day. You can always trace it back to sin. And when you have that intense weight on your life, man, you can't do it. Ephesians chapter 2 says that God has prepared good works. He has prepared something for you long before the foundations of time. You cannot step into your purpose when you have this unrepentant sin in your life. And the weight of it will crush you. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another. We all get hung up on that. Like everyone reads that verse and they stop it. Therefore confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. We're like, okay, I know I'm supposed to pray for other people. I know I'm supposed to confess stuff that I'm supposed to do. But the, the next part of the verse is where all the power is. 
It says, confess your sins, pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. All of us in here, there are things we want to be healed from in our life. There are things that we want to be set free from. There are things that we want God to show us. But we don't do what he asks us to do, which is to confess to one another and pray for one another. See, this is how I think that this happens. Is all of us in here, we, all, we, want to, we want to run this race that God has set before us. All right, And what the author of Hebrews is trying to say is this is essentially what you're trying to do. So what we want to do is we want to run this race, but we're going to put on our pride first. Because, man, I know God's called me to live a certain way. I know that he wants me to date a certain way and to use my money a certain way and to use my time. But, you know, I honestly, I kind of think I know better than God. Like, I kind of think I'm just going to continue to date and conduct my life the way that I want to do it. And I'm going to kind of go to church and I'm going to kind of do this religion thing and I'm going to maybe put my hand up once or twice. I'll put a, a Bible verse in my Instagram bio, but I'm not changing the way I live my life. I'm not changing the way I interact with people. So the first thing you do is you put on your pride and that's going to slow you down from running your race. And then we start thinking about, man, I'm just really selfish, you know? Like I know the church has given me so much and I show up every single week and all I do is consume and I never give back and I never give my time and I never give my offerings or anything because if I'm honest, life's really all about me. All right, so then we take our selfishness, we put that on there. All right, and then we're like, you know, I got my pride, I got my selfishness, but I know that God really wants me to run this race, so I'm still going to try to do it. I'm going to try to do both. I'm going to try to keep my pride, I'm going to try to keep my selfishness, and I'm going to do that. So now I've got unforgiveness in my life because, you know, I'm really hurt, and I've done, you know, some bad things, but not quite as bad as what some other people have done to me. So I've got this unforgiveness in my life, and I'm just going to kind of withhold that from people because I just don't think God really understands how badly I'm hurt. And I'm just going to hold on to that bitterness. Because as long as I can hold on to that bitterness, you know, if I'm honest, it still kind of controls me. But that's not that big of a deal. So I've got this now. Now I'm trying to run this race that God's got for me. And now I've got my, my chemical addiction here. Addiction to alcohol and drugs. It's fine. I'm just going to casually do it. You know, I'm just you know, going to hit PBR up on the weekends after I've had a long week. Because, you know... Honestly, it doesn't make my problems go away, but it kind of makes me feel a little bit better, um, at least until Monday, and then I feel worse, and I've got my addiction to pornography right here that really just causes me to, you know, view people as objects, and I'm just going to try to run this race that God has for me, and uh, yeah, everyone's passing me right now, I'm not making it very far, I'm not moving very fast, and uh, this is it, and that's what you look like. That's how you look, trying to run the race that God has set for you. But what God's saying is, look, what I want you to do. Oh, man. Strip away the weight that's holding you down. All of these sins that you're holding on to, you can't do both. You can't run a race with 200 pounds of weights on your body. That's ridiculous. No one would ever try to do that. And what Jesus is saying is, just like I put those things down right now, he's saying, hey, take all of that weight and put it at the foot of the cross. Repent. Put it down. That's literally what the word repent means. It literally means put it down and turn around. And that's what Jesus is calling you to do. He's saying, look, I died so that you could be free from that burden. 
I died because I know you cannot run a race and carry that. I died so you could be free of that, so you wouldn't have to tote around the shame from that, so you wouldn't have to tote around the guilt from that. I died so that you could be set free, so that you could have life and have it in full, so that you might have joy and have joy in abundance. Because, guys, there are good works. I truly believe that. Every single person that can hear my voice right now, whether you're in here or you're out listening to this in the future, driving around, listen to me. God prepared something incredible for your life. It says so in Ephesians. And he wants you to step into that. But you cannot step into that. You cannot go on the mission that God has set for you. You cannot go on the mission that he has sent us on. You cannot run the race that he has set for you holding on to all those weights. You've got to repent. You've got to put it down. You've got to put it down and you've got to run to God. Repenting from sin, listen, it allows you to walk in the freedom that Christ bought for you. That's what repentance does. Let's keep moving. Next part of the verse, it says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Guys, I'm telling you, we need people this year to step up. We need people this year now more than ever because we want to keep running this race that God has for us here at The Voyage. We need people to get into groups and to join groups and to help groups become even healthier than they already are and to continue running, continue reaching people. We need people to step up and lead groups because our family's only getting bigger here, all right? We need more living rooms. We need more households. We need more people who are willing to help lead these groups, all right? And if you're feeling right now a little nudge in your spirit, like that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, that's you, that's you. That's what I want you to do. That's where I want you to run in 2020. We need people to step up and help us serve here because we want to continue to impact people that come into this room with the love of God. We need people to lead teams. We need people who are willing this year to say, I am going to prepare for the future because God wants more strong husbands, more strong wives, more strong fathers, more strong mothers, but those things don't happen on their own. It happens with preparation. And we need people in this room Tonight, who are going to say, in 2020, I'm going to start preparing. I'm going to start taking this seriously. Guys, what if you ran your whole life to discover you ran to the wrong place? That's the core of what Jesus is teaching is. When Jesus would interact with the rich, he would remind people who are rich, hey, riches don't last. They don't last for forever. When he interacts with successful people, he would remind them, hey, achievements eventually fade out. People will forget about it. People will forget about you. When he would interact with people who were hurt and oppressed on the other side, he'd remind them, hey, there's a hope for the future and you can keep going because your life does matter. But the main thing he would say is, look, follow me because listen, I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you've been looking for. Don't run anywhere else. Come to me if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're hungry, if you're tired, if you're weary, or if you're well off. Come to me because I'm the only one worth running to. And he's called you to do the same thing. The world, you know what it needs? It needs more people who are just ordinary people 
who go to their jobs and things like that are saying, hey, I'd be willing to be a pastor. I'd be willing to be a missionary at my job. I'd be willing to do that. I'd be willing to step up my church. And some of you guys right now are thinking like, honestly, David, I would. Like, I hear what you're saying. I would do that, but I don't know how. All right, well, like, we'll teach you. Like, we'll teach you how to do it. Like, we'll train you. Like, all I need you to do is be willing. Be willing, be committed, be able to show up. And that's what Discover to Serve in two weeks is all about. Like, hey, I want to put you, plug you in somewhere where whatever God made you to do or made you to be, that you can survive and thrive in that. That's what Discover Serve is all about, guys. There's this thing called the, the Barclay Marathons. And I've talked about this uh, before. Some of you guys know about it. Uh, anybody in here ever heard of the Barclay Marathons before? All right, not many of you guys. Okay, it is the hardest race in the world. All right, it is an ultra marathon. It is a 100-mile race. It's five 20-mile loops through the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. All right, it has been uh, ran every single year since 1986. About 20 people compete in the Barclay Marathon every year because you have to win three 100-mile races, not just complete them, win them, just to get invited to attend to run the Barclay Marathon. All right, it's 25-mile loops, like I said. Only 18 people have finished this race since 1986. Only 18 people. It takes an average of 59 hours of nonstop running to complete the Barclay Marathons. All right, the time cap is 60 hours. So if you go 60 hours in one second, doesn't count. All right, only miles that count... Uh, towards your total in the race if you run on the course. So it doesn't matter if you, if you run for hours and hours and hours. Your mileage only counts if you run on the course. Only counts if you run on the course. And there was this guy. Oh, by the way, the elevation change in this race is so intense that you ascend and descend the elevation of Mount Everest twice while you're running this race, all right? There is this guy who is convinced he could, he could win this race because he had done so well in his qualifying races up to that. And he ran for 32 hours straight, nonstop. And he made it back to camp to start his, his route. And he realized that he had only officially covered eight miles of the first loop. Guys, what if that's our life? We're working and we're striving and we're seeking, thinking we're accomplishing much, but in the end, we're just as lost as that guy. We're running the wrong race. You're running the wrong race. How can we make sure we're running the right race? How can I make sure I'm not doing that? You focus on the right finish line. Focus on the right thing. Look on the screen with me as we, as we get ready to close out. Verse 2, it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We fix our eyes on Jesus. That's how you know you're running the right race. You don't fix it on anything else. You fix it on the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You can't have faith without Jesus. You can't have Christianity without Jesus. You can't have Christianity without his church. There's no other spirituality, there's no other belief, there's no other religion, there is nothing else. It's only you believe in Jesus or you don't. Because he is the founder, he's the perfecter, he's the initiator, and Jesus, because he knew what was waiting for him at the end of his race, 
kept going and he endured the cross and he endured the suffering. And that is a reminder to us that, hey, Jesus said, in this life, you'll have trouble. And many of you guys in 2019, you walked through some trouble in your life. And Jesus kept going. And you can keep going because Jesus knew where he was going. Hey, I'm going to the throne. I'm going to the right hand of the Father. And for us, we're saying, hey, we are going to the Father. We are moving into eternity. We're moving into eternal life. So I can keep going. I can keep running. And Jesus kept going because he knew that his suffering would lead to his glory and it would make a way for our salvation, for my salvation, for your salvation, for all of our salvation. We have to keep our eyes fixed on that. (coughs) Excuse me. That although this world is crazy and it can be tough and it can be hard, we have to keep going. We have to remember what we're running towards. And we have to run together, arms linked, in our groups, on our teams, on Tuesday night, arms linked, running the race that matters, not getting lost out in the woods, not not doing something that's not gonna matter for anything, but running towards the founder and the perfecter of our faith. But you know what? Our eyes are not often fixed on Christ, are they? Our eyes are often fixed on our phones. we're fixed on these these little apps and we're scrolling through and we're living other people's lives instead of living the purpose that Jesus died so that we could have. And we let these, these little apps on our phone, we let the enemy use those to rob us of joy and to make us bitter and to make us prideful and to make us withhold forgiveness. And if we could just just put that down for just a second. And we can fix our eyes on Jesus through reading his word, through circling up, through linking arms with other believers. If we could just do that, if we could just fix our eyes on Jesus and we could just repent, we could just put this stuff down and stop trying to tote all this through life and, and be a Christian. You can't, you can't pull all of that and run the race that God has set for you. If we could just do that, we could run the race. If we could just swear our allegiance to Jesus, Jesus, I'll never turn around. I'll never go back. I'll never follow anyone else. You're it. You're the son of God. I believe that you're the God of miracles. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again on the third day. And because you rose again, I'm going to rise again. Man, if we could just do that, then this passage It would be more than just words on a piece of paper. It would become real life for us as we run the race with endurance that God has set before us to run because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and that we would run a race that matters and we would look back at our life, at the end of our life and say, man, everything I did, it mattered, it counted. I didn't run to the wrong place. I didn't swim to the wrong side of the pool. I invested my life in what mattered for eternity and now I'm finishing my race. Man, Pastor Grant had the best illustration for this a few weeks ago. You guys know if you've ever flown back in here from Norfolk, when you come in from Norfolk and you come around the corner after you get off the jet bridge, before you go to baggage claim, there's a big mural on the wall. It says Hampton Roads, home of heroes. And he said he was coming back from a trip and there was a bunch of active duty personnel returning from over in the Middle East or wherever they were returning from. They were returning from a combat zone somewhere. And they had this huge crowd of people there 
waiting. As all our military personnel came back in, people were cheering, people were clapping, they were playing music, you know, they're coming through, they're going to get their bags and just wind up both sides of the wall, people just cheering, yeah, like, yes, we're so glad you're home. And I think about us, and I think about the end of our race when we come to the end of our life and we're, we're running and we're, we're coming into heaven. I think about all the loved ones that have gone before us, all of the people that we walked alongside in life that went before us and they're there, they're waiting in eternity and they're cheering us on and they're saying, come on, keep going, finish your race. And we're running and we're running. And instead of Hampton, home of heroes, it's Jesus at the end of it. And we're just running towards Jesus. And we're finishing our race well and we're able to look back and see, man, look at all the lives, look at all the things that I was able to do to impact people. I didn't waste it. I didn't waste it chasing stuff that didn't matter. Because I realized, man, since I'm surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since I can look all around and see tangible evidence of God's faithfulness, man, God has something great for me to do. So I'm so glad I stripped away every single weight because it wasn't worth carrying. And I ran straight to the arms of the Father and I never turned back. That's what I want for you guys.